So we got one great review and they all sort of come in as great reviews. So we were off to the races. Right? We went from doing 30 covers the weekend before to 400 covers. Okay. And that's how impactful that review is. And, uh, you know, which would bring to light a whole nother set of issues, right? Your staff is not ready right. to do 10 times the business they did a week ago, right? It's like you were getting slaughtered, but they were making money. We're all making money. So we're going to figure it out. And, and we were off to races. And then about four months later, I was like, you know, we should do this again. Okay. So then we, we bought a parking lot that we used to valet cars to. It was a little hair salon that we built that Tarvin Bend in there and Tarvin Bend building. And then uh, we just started growing year, you know, we, then we opened a fine bar, which was a bar down on Second Street. And then we YOLO and we just kind of kept rolling from there. Right. Thank you for listening in. I am your host, Jake Allen of the Lessons with Leaders podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Tim Petrillo of the Restaurant People. Uh, Tim, this is a platform, a, a podcast where I bring some of the most influential South Florida business leaders on to talk about their story. Very excited to have you on. Today, we're recording. It's November 11th. It's the beginning of the tourist season with the great migration of snowbirds into South Florida. So appreciate taking time out of your day. Um, for those who do not know, Restaurant People, YOLO, uh, Botop, TRP Taste, most recently, uh, Rose of Sky down in Miami. Not going to steal too much of Thunder, Tim. Thanks again for being on. Um, just kind of kick it off. What's, uh, you know, tell my listeners, tell myself a little bit about yourself and the Restaurant People. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I appreciate that. Um, you know, we started uh, the Restaurant People in 1997. Uh, I... I had always been in the restaurant business. I went to go work for Houston's, uh, traveled around the country with them, opened restaurants for them. Uh, then uh, Mark Militello, a celebrity chef, brought me back to South Florida to uh, open up his. He had uh, planned to open five restaurants, which we did. And that was around 94, 95. And then I went on my own and started uh, developing Hiroshi Barber, which is our first restaurant in 1996 and lost in 97. And then we opened up about a restaurant a year uh, for, so we had like nine stores. And then, uh, uh, and then I migrated, Alan Hooper and I decided to do uh, Urban Street Development, which is a development co company that uh, we recognized very quickly that we could go into blighted areas, uh, put a concept in, and make people feel more comfortable with that area. And then other, other uh, operators went, Start showing up, but we had the real estate so we could drive the value that way. Uh, and that was pretty successful for us. Um, and then, uh, you know, we've been doing uh, restaurant and development ever since. That's kind of how we got started. And, and we do that to this day. We've done a bunch of mixed use projects, multifamily offices, uh, obviously hospitality. We have, we're in a hotel business in Tallahassee. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. They're, they're doing construction. You hear that? I do hear it a little bit. It sounds like the urban development's right out, uh, right outside the. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize, but they're downstairs doing construction. Sorry. No worries. So I'm I'm an FSU grad. I know you went to FIU. Um, yeah. I was, and everyone else I know was was massive, massive fans of Township um, down here as as well as up in Tallahassee. Um, since a lot of my listeners are coming from South Florida, I know you have Yolo and and. and yeah. many other locations across Los Angeles Boulevard. Just you might mind rattling off just a couple of the more notorious or well-known restaurants that people can really know who who we're listening to. 
Sure. So we have Java and Jam, Yolo, O Lounge, Rooftop, Teeth, Boatyard, uh, Tartan River Brewery, uh, Township, as you mentioned. Um, we have Rosa Sky. Uh, we have S3 on the beach. Uh, we have Casablanca. Um, I know I'll leave something out. Uh, Jill, like you're asking a name, like show my freedom out. So I, I apologize. But, but uh, you know, and then we, we've owned and operated a bunch of different restaurants across. We, we've owned and operated and been a part of more than 92 stores. So okay. uh, we, 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 uh, when Anthony from Anthony Cool Fire Pizza, we were his first development partner and we developed the West Coast in Orlando before we sold that the first time uh, at 35 units. Uh, and then we were, part of a group that we were with private equity and we purchased a, a content called Shrimp Basket and we grew that from 20 to 50, 30, sort of sold that. So we do, we do a bunch of that kind of stuff as well. Okay. Very so, cool. And then, and, but in Tallahassee, we did college, we did college town. That was, uh, I went, I went to school in Tallahassee as well. Okay. Uh, and I went there for the first two years. I finished up at FIU for the hospitality program. Not that FSU didn't have a great hospitality program. They do. I just, I felt it would be uh, better to come to FIU because you can get real world mm -hmm. experience at, at world class, you know, hospitality, restaurants, resorts, hotels in Miami. That's why I, I moved down to that. Yeah. The, the restaurant connoisseurs of uh, Tallahassee probably have a, a much more shallow pocket and uh, <laughs> yeah. an earlier ID than some of the Miami yeah. folks. Yeah, exactly. So in, in those 25 years, you've been incredibly successful, opened up a tremendous amount of, you know, restaurants, hotels. Um, I wouldn't mind just hearing a little bit about like the 1997, 98, 99, like what were those really early stages like? I know you left Houston, so you got a lot of experience. Yeah, it, 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 it was brutal, uh, I'll be honest. So, so um, you know, we just, it, it was interesting enough, uh, we just had our, our hospitality summit. That's when we bring all of our team and we do it a day long retreat. And a lot of these people didn't know the story, but uh, so when we first opened Hemorrhage Bar and Grill, we like Alan Hooper and Peter Belukas are our partners. Peter's our chef partner. And and, uh, and we opened up that store. And now coming from Houston and that kind of background, when you open up a store, you're off to the races right away. They are such a great brand. Everybody knows what they are in the lineup. And when you're doing so many openings for them, you, you, you tend to believe that the reality of the world. So we built Hiroshi Bar Grill and all of a sudden that was kind of the expectation that within my mind, we're going to open this thing and it's going to be like off to the races. Well, we opened up with a thud. I mean, there was, there was, uh, you know, 25, 30 covers on the weekend. A lot of times during the week, we, we, there was two times we did zero covers. Nobody came in the door. And I'm at the front door trying to keep a staff's morale up, telling them that it's going to get better. They're, you know, they're there to make money. They're not stupid. They see the writing on the wall. For a business to be successful, they need, they need guests to come through the door. Um, but, you know, we, we were able to, you know, build the business. And back then, there wasn't social media. It wasn't like, uh, you know, you couldn't invite influencers in to have them share their experience. And all of a sudden, you get it out to, right now, you have like 5,000 people telling their, you know, 10,000 or 5,000 people about us, right? Back then you had the sun settle and they had one voice streaming to 500,000 people. So you could do one of two things. You could advertise to get your name out, which we couldn't afford, or you could hope for a restaurant critic from the sun will come in and give you a good review. Uh, and we didn't know 
who the restaurant critic was because it was blind back then. And we certainly couldn't afford um, advertising. So what happened was, now you fast forward, it, we opened in right around mid of August. Now it's October, okay? And we are out of money. We have no more money. I We invested everything we had into that restaurant. We, we invested family money. We invested all of our friends, anybody. And we, we treated together about $140,000 and opened that restaurant, okay? okay? Which... By today's standard, is is, right. is very very low. It's unheard of, right? But we didn't. Yeah, a little bit different. Yeah, right. Yeah, but we did a construction and everything. You know, just to put in perspective, we're building a restaurant right now that is well over five million bucks. Yeah. That's the difference of of, of uh, one how things change in cost wise, but how how the business has evolved as well. Um, so we were out of money, and I'm literally I I, I am getting my resume together. I am now about to get. Take you to the next step, and I'm in the come starting to come to terms that that this is not going to happen. Uh, so I'm going to go work for somebody else and change my career. Uh, I'm just going to be somebody else's employee, right? Uh, and that that was a hard pill to swallow. Let me tell you. So you know, the night of my birthday, actually, uh, it was just when the sunset was starting to move to online, and they would they would put their their Friday paper up on a Thursday night where it had to review early two. Um, this is like the, I'm thinking dot com boom. So like early 2000s, 99. Yeah. It, it, 1997. Okay. This is the one it was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and so they actually printed a review that night. It was coming out in the showtime that we used to be the entertainment paper the next day on Friday. And we could not have written it better ourselves. This was a glowing review, best restaurant they probably seen a whole nine yards. And what typically happened is these critics, because because they, you know, it's a small society and they all know each other. Right. And and if if I'm a critic from the Herald, back then every paper had their own critic, right? It's not like it's all they like it now. But if if uh, M. L. Warren was the critic back then at Sunset, they knew the critic at Miami Herald. They wouldn't, you know, if, if ML Warren wrote a good piece they, and they had a bad experience, they probably won't slam that experience, okay? Because they don't want to look at a, at a professional courtesy. They're not going to make the other critic look for them, right? So, uh, so we got one great review, and they all sort of come in as great reviews. So we were off to the races, and we went from doing 30 covers the weekend before to 400 covers, okay? That's how impactful that review is. And, uh, you know, which... We bring to light a whole nother set of issues, right? Your staff is not ready right. to do 10 times the business they did a week ago, right? It's like you were getting bothered, but they were making money. We're all making money, so we're going to figure it out. And, and we were up to raise And then about four months later, I was like, you know, we should do this again. Okay. So then we, we bought a parking lot that we used to valet cars to. It was a little hair salon that we built that Tarvin Bend in there and Tarvin Bend building. And then uh, we just started growing year, you know, we, then we opened a sign bar, which was a bar down on Second Street. And then we YOLO, and we just kind of right. kept rolling from there. So getting the momentum, and, and you mentioned one thing as I think has changed the industry completely. You used to have one food critic talking to 5,000 people, and everybody's a food critic. Um, you know, kind of changing gears here a little bit. When you're 25 years, like, what have you seen from your experience regarding the change of social media, the change of the internet, oh. and just, I mean, it's, it's completely different, right? 
So social media has changed the game in so many ways. Okay. And not all positive, not all positive. Okay. Uh, but from very bottom things right now, you, when we're thinking through menus and, and, and drink and menu presentation, we put so much more thought into having a Instagrammable moment okay. when we deliver the food. Okay. Uh, you know, back then you didn't have to do that. And those moments when they are in the right social media influences, the content can go crazy. Um, I don't know. I'll give you a perfect example. We, we just rolled out this flaming tomahawk steak at, at, uh, YOLO. This is like two months ago. Right. Um, and we started the first week we were selling, uh, about 12, 12 of them, which was considered good. Right. Uh, really, yeah. So, you know, it's a $200 steak. It comes out, they found a rolling car, the whole nine yard. Well, we had this one influencer put this, they, she, did this, she did a reel on it. And everybody wants a $200. Now, 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 it's <laughs> put in perspective. Last month, we sold seventy thousand dollars in pound box. Okay, from this girl's had almost two million views on this okay. video. Two days ago, a person drove from Fort Pierce <laughs> because they saw it. for lunch. We don't have it at lunch. We ended up making it for them because they were like, "We just drove two hours through." I'm like, "Sure, so white judge." But that's the power of social media. Okay, you. And it gives an advantage to some really good, talented people that you would never necessarily hear of. You know? okay. um, yeah, no, I mean, I think every, everybody wants to be an influencer. You have people with, you know, two, three thousand yeah. followers that have to keep the prestige of their page to be that of the person yeah. with the hundred thousand. It's, it's changed the game a lot. And what are you saying? You know, just what you say, we have our marketing director, Nikki, you know, everybody's an influencer, right? Yeah, everybody is an influencer in their own mind. So we had, she had to do a really good job of vetting who the real deal is. And cause we have people approach us all the time. You know, it, it, it the amount of emails that we get that says, hello, I'm an influencer. I would love to dine at your restaurant. You don't have to pay me. I'll just want a free meal, you know? <laughs> so, so, you know, and then you, you dig into how many people she influences it here. Uh, and it's like, you know, thousands, but you know, that doesn't necessarily get you a free meal. Yeah, well, I got about, you know, I, I had to restart my Instagram. So about 500 followers. So I don't know if I'm going to make the cut to uh, get the yeah. to Tomahawk. <laughs> um, but, but also you mentioned, you know, the Sun Centel having the first press and the fact that no one else wanted to go against them, right? So they come out, the, fir the first press kind of dictates the narrative, if yep. you will, or at least it did back in that day. Um, and you also spoke about how Houston has so much power behind the brand when you were doing those restaurant openings. You've yeah. now created that with the restaurant people. Like, what, yeah, not gonna work. what is the difference? And and I know it's vast, so it's kind of a loaded question. What's the difference between opening a new restaurant or new rooftop Rosa Sky, for example, now with the power of the restaurant people? And like, how do you leverage the overall brand to go into a particular restaurant? Well, we do that quite a bit. I mean, we, we do that from the getting location. Okay. You know, we, before, when we weren't established, you know, landlords would say, no, we're not going to rent to you. Right now we have landlords who seek us out to go in there, develop incentivize us by giving us dollars to build out our space. 
uh, because we're an established brand now. And, and, uh, and, and when we open our doors, you know, knocking on wood, people tend to show up. Right. So, so, uh, and we're very, very, very fortunate. Um, and, and it, it's a lot different. Now we open up stores, you know, we have our, our ministry team on site three months out, you know, before, you know, back then it was me doing the hiring, doing everything. And it was a lot. I mean, not, not just, it was me, my, the Peter and, but, but I didn't have it. It was when I had my first three restaurants, I was like, I was the GM of three restaurants and, and it was an ongoing joke because they were all within two blocks from each other. And I would just, people would just see me running around the street all the time. Cause I'm like, Hitting the one restaurant, then I'm hitting the other one, then I'm going back to the other one, you know. And it it uh, it was funny because guests would be in these restaurants, and their friends were like, "Oh, I was at such and such a restaurant last. I was at River House, and I had a conversation with them, and like that's when I was at Hibbert's Market, and I, you know, and yeah, he's everywhere. And and but that was not it was out of need. We didn't have the resources to pay people, so we had to do it. So I'm mentioned right next to each other. I go to. I've gone to Java and Jam for breakfast and YOLO for, for happy hour, by the way, argu- arguably the best old fashioned town. Um, oh, thank you. I have potentially been one of the few people who, uh, actually cleared profit in terms of bottomless mimosas. Uh, <laughs> I've had a good time at YOLO. I've had a great, great time at both locations. And, and what I'm getting to there, um, other than saying I enjoy your restaurants is the fact that you do have very good, you know, place locations throughout Los Angeles Boulevard and throughout Florida or throughout South Florida rather. Um, how important as a restaurant or a restaurant is that in terms of actual location? And, and I know it's arguably the most important thing, but like truly what is the magnitude of having a good location? And what would you say for uh, uh, someone who wants to open up a restaurant regarding? Okay. So, so I, I, I always say this, it's not, it's not, it's not important. It is crucial, critical. It is the, it far outweighs everything else by a landslide. I would rather be, the worst restaurateur in the best location and the best restaurateur in the worst location because location will win out every time. Okay. So, so, you know, in the beginning, when you're starting, you're, we just couldn't afford to go into class A real estate. Right. Right. We, we first off, landlords didn't want us because we weren't qualified in their mind to do that. We were a big risk. And two, we couldn't afford paying their rent, okay. right? So, but now I look at that a whole lot different, right? Now, you know, we try to make sure we like to combine our rent line and our advertising line. We look at those things the best, turn them together. So if you like to get a six to seven percent rent line on your revenue and a two to three percent uh, on your advertising marketing budget, well, you got a ten percent. So if we're in a we're in a location we're paying ten percent, we better not be advertising anything because we 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 have people scrolling right. in our place, right? right? Okay. So that that's kind of how we look at. Okay. It. Um, and on the flip side of that, so I mean, you know, uh, a newer restaurant who who just simply cannot get that class A, um, are would you just suggest like a heavy promotion through social media? Like, what are if you're yeah, so if you're I, would, I would. What are what are good advertising mediums? Okay, so so first off, you you, you really. You really need to vet who your audience okay. is going to be. It's hard to do that with social media because you you don't know who your the influences are, who they're speaking to, right? So you need to make sure you, you need to make sure that the people you're aligning yourself with 
are the people that you want to be your guest, right? So, and, and you know, it, and it just kind of works like that. You have to make sure that we do so much more. We place so much more dollars in in digital media versus print media now, right? I mean, and and uh, one, it's it's a lot easier to get an ROI on that. You can really see the engagement versus print. Uh, and and you can pivot a lot quicker too, right? So if something's not working inside the store, a promotion that we launched and it's just not working, we can pivot where in print, it, you, you, you're done, you're set. So there, there, there's a lot of benefits to that. But to answer your question, you, you know, if you're not in a good location, first off, you need to, you need to drill down on what makes you guys special. Okay. Okay. And amplify that. Okay. All right. You can amplify that through your ways of advertising, what you, how you promote it inside your store and, and all the type of thing. Okay. And, and I like that. And it kind of brings me to another point is, is regarding special, regarding having a portfolio of restaurants. What's the diversity really? I mean, I, I know myself, but some people listening may not the diversity of the, the cuisine, food, the type, the price, the caliber, like, and, and how do you kind of go about managing that entire, you know? So it, it I will say it's probably not the smartest thing to do okay. uh, because obviously when you replicate, it's a lot easier to multiply, right? Right. When you create new concepts, it takes a lot more thought. It, 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 you just can't pick up and, and and pop the whole staff down there at a new restaurant, right? So like when we were doing multiple garden events, you just, you know, you get your trainers, the same menu, same operation, same standards, all that kind of stuff. And you just take your playbook here and you move it over to another location. Whereas when we're doing new locations, um, it, you have to be more thoughtful how you create it. You have to be, you know, you have to, you have to conceptualize it. You have to do new menus, new food, new recipes, new everything, right? Uh, but the bones are all the same, meaning our operating procedures are all the same. We can, menu is different, mm -hmm. but we can take a manager at Java and Jam and put them in Casablanca and the standards of service and time standards and, and execution is all almost identical. Okay. okay. So the food and the, and the concept might be different, but the operating procedures are all very, very similar. Okay. And then more on the business front for anyone who's listening in, who's a business leader and they're starting to go from, you know, X amount of revenue to they're trying to scale their business. Yeah. Um, you mentioned when you started off, you were, you were the face of the, the actual restaurant and then you're doing everything, had every hat. Um, there's just, there's no way you can do that at this point. How, right. how important is autonomy within your actual establishments? And like, how important is the autonomy within actual, the restaurant people have in your people have the, the, you know, the trust to do what they do. Like, how do you, like, what's your day-to-day, -day, I guess, look like right now in your position now? So, uh, well, again, like I get my, my business on a typical day in the morning, beginning early, probably 7, 7.30. Uh, I knock out all kind of my office work then because nobody's really around until like 9. People start coming office around 9. So I get a solid two hours of just knocking stuff out without being, you know, interrupted. Uh, then I typically go into the stores uh, around, like I just got back from... Yolo and Java just now that have this podcast. Um, he, fortunately, my my the one good thing, the reason I did a lot of contests in a geographic area is 
I found, I didn't want to be on a plane all the time. I was doing that with Houston. Then it was not fun. Um, so if you want to have multiple shores in a small geography, you have to do different kind of contexts, right? So that, that, that's the path we took. Uh, but, uh, you know, in like yesterday, I can, I can, I can see the majority of our swords in one day. Okay. Right. Right. Cause they're all by the stride around, you know, and, and you can, you don't have to spend a whole lot of time in the store to see if it go up, if it's being managed properly or not. Right. You know, you, yeah, I mean, you, you at the guest can walk in any restaurant and say, okay, this is a, this is a crazy show here. This is the, or the shit show. I mean, you know, you, you, I'm sure. Yeah. And I know that everybody has, they walked in a restaurant, you can just see it in the chaos on the staff that, that it's not a well-run machine. Walk in, walk out, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so I try to pop in. I try, and, and one, I, I want to make sure that I have an open dialogue with my managers. I that, that you know, they're, because they're, it is so critical. There are, I am somewhat removed now from, you know, they're the boots on the ground. And I want to be able to, know the staff and not being intimidated by me and say, Hey, how's this going? How's this selling? What do you think about this? And they have an open dialogue, right? Cause, cause that, that's where you really find the nugget of gold to make critical things. No, that's very important. And, and, uh, you know, having, having that open channel, I think Google, you just offhand just things I've read, the Wall Street Journal, whatnot. I think Google had a, um, for a very long time, they don't still do it. All their employees have 10% of their days used to do something creative. Right. And, and then you have some yeah. of the best, uh, inventions coming from that and you have that same in your, your restaurant hey what, what's what, what's cooking what's not oh maybe we try this one thing and it becomes you know the 200 dollars tomahawk or whatever it might be yeah yeah um i think that's very very important and you know we just november 11th today or day recording um we just had the midterm election and not to get political i'm not going that route so don't worry but we just you know re-elected a governor who kept the state relatively open relatively uh in terms of you know compared to other places that is not no he did a great job i know okay i'm, I'm not going to get political here okay i'm just gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna speak from 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 or we, we were in five states at that time right we had we had five states at that time and three of them were blue states and two of them were red states okay okay the red states performed so much better because they were kept open okay and I see, and just from the team morale in the red states was so much better. The the mental attitude from the team, they, they weren't. They listen. It was a moment in time where in the other, the other attitude was, oh my, it's the top of a So you know, I, I would say that that uh, DeSantis. I'm not saying I'm not trying to yeah, be political. I'm just saying right. I'm just saying from a from a business perspective, from a, the restaurant business perspective, DeSantis was a godsend for what he did for us. Okay, right. I had I helped four different companies from New York move their headquarters to Florida, five little restaurant companies, right? Because uh, they wanted local knowledge and where they should go, and, and I, I helped them through that process come down from the South Florida market because they had this infrastructure that they have to survive. Okay. Right. The other day you have to survive. So they moved it. We were open. Um, the, the why product left being open was we had the best tourism okay. numbers that we had seen in over a decade. Okay. okay? Right. Uh, being the fact that 
Europe was shut down. Well, international travel was shut down. Uh, a lot of states were shut down. Coastal communities in Texas and in Florida and uh, in Alabama did very well because you had everybody visiting. And and you felt that here. I felt that here in Florida. Oh yeah, for sure. Texas, for sure. Sure. Um, you know how how without going too deep because the question is more so regarding how does your how did a restaurant or a company with uh, I, I believe you have eight, close to eight hundred employees uh, part time full time yeah like how how do, how, do, how do you guys weather that storm and I mean we're we're you know out almost completely okay. like give me the yeah. experience of last three years uh, yeah so it was it was uh, it was a challenge to say the least you know uh, I remember I was actually out in uh, Utah and and. Uh, the mayor called me and he said, Jim, we have to shut down your restaurant. I said, what? What are you talking about? He goes, we're shutting down all the restaurants, all food and beverage. We're going to shelter in for two weeks. And I go, is this going to be two weeks? And he's like, yeah. I mean, everyone thought it was going to be two weeks, right? So, uh, so two weeks turned into a month, turned into... So we made a decision. You know, we, we talked a lot about our culture and us being family and everything like that. And, and we can't, we can't say we're a family in the good times and not act like we're a family in the bad times. Right. So, so we made a commitment. We made a commitment that we will pay you as long as we can. Okay. We had a healthy balance sheet and we we're just, we made the announcement. So it took the anxiety off of the staff. Okay. So they had a stable place mm -hmm. and and we did. We paid them, and it was a godsend. In hindsight, it was a godsend to the class. Okay, it was the it was the right thing to do, not only for our employees but for the company. Okay, because what happened was when we were allowed to open, we 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 were open like that. We didn't have to try to hire staff because they believe we didn't have. Everybody knew their job. There was no training that was needed. It was like we were. We just opened again, okay? Everybody came back and it was off to the races. And we were able to generate a lot of revenue like that, right? And a lot of other people struggled to get talent. We were able to hire really talented people because they were let go. And it's funny, even in the pen, we were shut down and we, we hired away four top talented people from other companies. And we didn't even know if we were going to open, but they... They came on the market and were like, we're going to grab this talent. So, so it, was, it, was, it, was, it was the right thing to do. It was hard to do, but it was the right choice. And, and it worked out for us. Absolutely. And, and a lot of guys, I like that. Uh, you can't be family at a good time and not a bad time. You got you to take care of people as yep. much as you can. Um, obviously, pay dividend to you and your company. Uh, one thing about COVID, I consider it like the great accelerator. It, it made a lot of things that were already in process happen quicker. Um, two of which I want to talk about because they really impact the restaurant industry. One is sanitation. Two yes. is, is online delivery. When we started to see, I remember seeing like pictures on social media of them cleaning or doing like a sanitation spray, a mass Lysol sprays across the movie theater or airplanes. Like we should have been doing this beforehand. I don't know why we just, yeah. why we're doing this now. Um, and the other one is just the convenience of, you know, everybody was sheltered for six or so months, however you know, long they wanted to be. Uber Eats, uh, DoorDash, yep. massive, big impact restaurant business. Like how have you guys changed positively because of COVID and those two factors? And then how do you stay on the front line of both of those? Sure. So, so, so uh, I, I agree with what you said on both fronts. Um, 
you know, we, we, we pride ourselves on how clean we are in our stores. Uh, so, but it always, like anything, you can always do better. And this brought to light elevating everyone's standard. And I was, I was put on the governor's opening committee. Okay. I was put on the governor, the county and the city opening committee, right? To represent restaurants. And how we show, and as we were going through the standards of what the cleaning policies were, it was amazing how inconsistent policies were across gyms to airline field, hotels to restaurants, right? So, so I think it did raise a shine of light on a problem that is now much, much better. Uh, the whole delivery system is, as a consumer, it's great. As an operator, it's terrible, okay? Because first off, the fees that delivery services charge the restaurants are egregious. Okay. Secondly, some restaurants just their food is not made to be delivered. Okay. You have, you know, you have these, like, for instance, S3, there might be four sauces that go in one dish. And we, when we put that on the side because we can't dress it on the plate because it'll sog out, right? By the time it gets. So we put that on the side. And people that don't know how to dress it properly then it dish is terrible and it looks yeah. bad for the restaurant, you know? So, so I'm not a huge fan of, okay. I'm not a huge, I'm a, I listen, I get delivered. When I'm home, I'm getting delivered. Okay. Right. So I'm a huge fan of it that way. I'm not a huge fan of it as an operator because we do, we do get, uh, well, this was, it was cold. It was, you know, there's things that happen on delivery service that you just are out of our control. Right. Uh, but it has changed the industry. There's no question. People, when people go out to eat now, they want an experience. Mm -hmm. They're not getting food anymore. They eat food. They eat restaurant food. Any restaurant they want, if they want their food, they get it delivered out. Right. Now people are going out. They want an experience. Okay, so it has to be something that stimulates more than just filling their stomach, right? And and uh, so that's why now our concepts are much more higher energy. You know, we're we're, we're layering in a lot more experiential things mm -hmm. in the restaurant itself. A lot of, as you said, Instagrammable. Um, yeah, exactly. Places, right? exactly. So, I mean, you've seen the renovation of Yolo. It's like, okay, where can we put Instagram's truck? Okay. <laughs> a little selfie wall or something of that sort. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, very cool. I, I've enjoyed speaking with you. Last thing I want to talk about, and, and we'll, we'll wrap. Um, and this is more so for the people who are listening who actually have a small business or they're restaurant owners or, or they can actually relate to your story. And whether you're, you know, whatever someone really foresees happening, we're definitely in a, a slower period economically. Yeah. And 2023 yes. is expected to be uh, a recession. Yeah. You opened YOLO in 2007, 2008. Uh, you know, hospitality is typically more impacted. Some other industries is more volatile due to you know, economic times. What do you really see happening in the next 12, 18 months? And more importantly, for someone who is a small business owner or someone who is a business owner, like how can you prepare, especially in the hospitality industry, and kind of make your way through tougher times? So, so, you know, what we typically do, we try to budget for the worst, okay, and be prepared for that so we can, because it's always, it's always easier to add than, than take away, right? So I, I do think that the next two years, listen, it's like, it, 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 it's been a great run, okay? I mean, let's be honest here, the last few years have been, even considering COVID, it, 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 it has been positive, 
Okay, now we're going into a recessionary period where, you know, people are not going to be spending like they did. Okay, so you have to be prepared for that. Uh, I, I I will say that uh, we are expecting it to slow down. Uh, we are when we're looking at we're still growing. We're still going to be in growth mode, but you have to understand a restaurant for a restaurant to we're looking at a deal now that are going to be opening in two years, right? So it takes, by the time the building is complete, by the time we go and do our build out, you know, it's a two year window. So when I opened up YOLO in two, I opened up YOLO on September 30th, 2008. That was the day the market set the record for the biggest drop. Okay. That was my grand opening party. Okay. And everybody's like, oh boy, uh, I bet you're sorry you opened up there. But in reality, that this has been an emotion for 24 months, right? Yeah, you can't so, just stop now, right? You can't just stop. The great opening I, day I, is long awaited. So, so, and I remember being so consumed with stress about this, right? You know, you're almost, you're almost, you know, basically saying that chances are you're going to fail, right? You're, you know, you're it's all about this happening. And what happened was, and, and, and it's always darkest before the dawn. And any time, any time, any time we've been through a cycle, you know, it's always darkest before the dawn, and it's kind of opens up, and it's great, right? So what happened was with Yolo, because we were the new spot, right? Even people wanted to check it out, so we were busy, and because we were at a recessionary time. Nobody was investing in new restaurants. So no new restaurants were opening for two years. So we rode the honeymoon period, not only at the six-month window, we rode it for almost two and a half years because we were the new guy. Phil, the last new kid on the The last one opened, right? So so it, it, it was kind of, it was counterintuitive, right? You would never think that, but that's actually what happened. Now, we're not banking on that. We're opening out a restaurant in Miami in in January, um, we're not, we're, we're, we know we're going to get a good pop in the beginning, but we are, you know, we're definitely, we're, we're being conservative on how we budget this restaurant and how we, we uh, open this, just to make sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. So a lot of good stuff. Um, obviously big fan of myself, big fan of myself of all the restaurants. And again, being a former FSU guy, moving down to Fort Lauderdale, very, very experienced with the, uh, when were you in, when, when did you go to Florida State? Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, op, whatever you want to call opposite of dating myself is I'm going to show my youth here. Uh, so I graduated in 2018. Um, I was there oh, wow. 20, 2016. I was a transfer student. Um, didn't got my AA back home. I'm from Bavard County. Uh, okay. So I had one year done dual enrollment and figured stay one more year. So I was in college for uh, three years up at FSU, and, and uh, okay. So you saw a college Stanley ball. I I uh, I was there as it was really getting finished built. Um, but yeah, yeah. It was I have a lot of friends who were there before me, starting like 2013, 2014, when that yeah. was the IM fields. That was just the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, I mean, it, it's the it's the place to be now. And, and so ur urban development did almost all, of, the all of it. Yeah, and they did all that. Yeah, we did all that. We did that. We we uh we just finished the hotel Indigo there. Okay, yeah, uh, absolutely. It's yeah, yeah. So uh, we have one more. We're going to be expanding the hotel there, uh, and that's our last. That's our last development piece up there as of now. As of in the six blocks of College Town, that's our last development. Okay, yeah, that 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 area has grown, uh, you know, significantly. Like I said, it used to be the old Iron Fields. Now it's a little bit more of a flare. I speak yeah. to the. 
FSU grads of the, you know, 20, the 2000s, 2010s are like, oh, yeah, we had, you know, and not to say they're bad places, they're just older places, Bullwinkles, Pots. I'm like, oh, we had a little bit yeah. of a flair. We we're going to Township. We we're going to, uh, um, forgot the name of it. Reset. The Recess, Occasion Spot. I, I name escapes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Coos. Yeah. Yep. Two, two, yeah. So a little bit more of a, a flair, I guess, it prepared us for the sophistication of South Florida. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's definitely different when I was up there. I mean, when I was up there, you know, that was all warehouse district. And, you know, you, you get initial beers now, like at Refet, they're selling $1,500 tables on a weekend, right? Which so is incredible. Get, which is incredible. Going back as an alumni, I'm $1,500 table. I'm like, yeah, take take my money. Yeah. <laughs> In Tallahassee, right? It's crazy. Right. Well, very cool, man. I appreciate it. It was great speaking with you. Um, no, nice to speak with you, too. Absolutely. What a great conversation. Another great episode on the Lessons with Leaders podcast. Being able to speak with Tim Petrillo, CEO and founder of the Restaurant People, you know, some of the most iconic, beloved, visited restaurants and bars and hospitality establishments in South Florida, Broward County, and especially on Las Olas Boulevard, roll up under the Restaurant People and be able to pick the brain of the guy who put the, you know, the company together, built majority of the concepts and continues to run just a great uh, conglomeration, you know, grouping of restaurants. Bars is awesome. Um, hear his experience, hear how he's put together, you know, his restaurants over the last 25 years, how they've adapted to the many changes in the hospitality industry, and just get some insight on what business owners can do today, whether it's opening up a new restaurant or figuring out how to survive the upcoming recession. Hope you got a lot of value out of that. I definitely did. Very much enjoyed speaking with Tim. And for all of you listening, thank you again for your continued support. Looking forward to bringing more people to you here on the Lessons with Leaders podcast. Until then, be great, and I'll talk to you soon.